And so today I want to I want to preach and share a message on how to have a successful marriage because we know there's a lot of marriages out there, but not all of them are successful. So today I pray that uh, you're going to be blessed as the as the word of God speaks to your heart about how to have a successful marriage. Now, we all know that no one hopes on their wedding day to have a poor or unhealthy marriage. So what in the world's going on? What happens? Regardless of whether spouses are Christian or whether they're not, uh, we find that over 50% of marriages end in the D word. What is going on? What is the problem? Well, if you want a good marriage, if you want a healthy marriage, if you want a God-centered marriage, then you need to go to the one who created it. Amen? You need to see what God says about it, and you need to see what God has planned for your life as husband and wife. Now, before we get started good, I want to ask you a question. Did you know that God wants you to be successful? He does want you to be successful, not just in your church life, not just on Sunday mornings, not just in your spiritual life. God wants you to be successful on your job, in your social life, and in your family too. He wants you to be successful in all aspects of your life. Just listen to what Jeremiah 29 11 says. I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord your God. Thoughts of peace, not thoughts of evil. Thoughts to give you a future and a hope. Friend, God wants you to be successful, and He wants your marriages to be successful. So today, uh, I'm just going to take a little bit of time to look at five biblical characteristics of a healthy marriage. Easy to follow, uh, easy to apply to your life if you'll let it. Amen? So first of all, to have a successful marriage, the first thing you ought to do is establish boundaries. Establish boundaries in your marriage. Uh, if you'll go with me to Genesis chapter 2, you'll see that beginning in verse 21, the Word of God says this, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib, which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man, and Adam said, This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore... A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Let's pray together. Father, I, I am so thankful this morning that every part of our life, you've got a purpose for it. But Father, especially this morning, we pray that you would help us to see your plan for successful marriages. And Father, that we would apply that, this, this truth to our lives, whether we're in a marriage now or perhaps will be in the future, Father. All of us have something to learn. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. So look what happens here. All right? God causes Adam to take a little snooze, 
to take some sleep. And while he's sleeping, God takes one of his ribs and he makes Eve out of the rib. Now, the Hebrew people have a really neat saying about this passage of Scripture. Here's what they say. They say that God did not take a bone from the foot of Adam so that Adam would rule over Eve. Neither did he take a bone that came from the head of Adam that Eve would be over Adam. But the bone came from the side of Adam so that they could walk side by side as partners, working together, complementing each other. Boy, that applies to marriages in our day as much as it did to this very first marriage. Friends, from these verses we see that there is a new relationship established. Eve is now bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. She has become a part of him, and he has become a part of her. They are to become one flesh. God has established a relationship between a husband and wife that's unique to every other creature that he made. They have become one flesh. They have become jointly connected. Now, I could spend the rest of the day speaking about my favorite subject, the creation of marriage. But you don't want me doing that now, do you? <laughs> Amen. Well, let me just say this then, Richard. God instructs us to keep our marriage relationships sacred. He charges us as husbands and wives to keep our marriage relationships sacred. And 2.24, verse 24 there in Genesis chapter 2, the Bible tells you exactly how you're supposed to go about doing that. Verse 24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now, what I want you to notice in that verse is in addition to this unique relationship between a husband and wife, there's also a change in relationships with other people, too. We've got to learn to set boundaries. Husbands, your parents will always be your parents. But when you married your wife, she's to become the number one person in your life. Wives, your parents will always be your parents. But when you marry your husband, he is to become the number one person in your life. Guys, your football and hunting buddies are not to be the number one person in your life. Your wife is. Wives, your best girlfriend is not to be the number one person in your life. Your husband is. And you know, we also need to be careful in another category. Because when you have children, your kids are not to be the number one person in your life. Your spouse is. Think about it. Your children are going to grow up. Your children are going to leave the nest. Or at least we hope so. Amen? Right? And when they move out, who are you going to be left with? When they move out, you're going to be left with each other. So you better keep those home fires burning. Amen? 
Keep those home fires burning. You better keep on building that relationship of marriage, that relationship that you have with each other. And the, one of the ways you do this is by setting boundaries with your friends and your other relatives. All right? The number one relationship that you have or will have, other than the Lord your God, is with your spouse. So dedicate yourself to marriage. Defend your marriage at all costs. Because to, take, to have a successful marriage, you need to set boundaries. Now here's number two for you. To have a successful marriage, we also need to make a very deep commitment. If you would, go to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, where here our Lord and Savior speaks about the, the sanctity of marriage and how important marriage is to have that marriage as God created it. Matthew chapter 19, and listen to what our Savior says about this relationship. In verse 4 of Matthew 19, the, Lord said, or the Bible says, He answered and said to, his, to those Pharisees, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, for this reason, he shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two will become one flesh? So then, Jesus said, they are no longer two. They are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Did you hear the last part of that verse? What God has joined together, let not man separate. How many of you know that marriage takes hard work? Raise a, raise a hand if you know marriage takes hard work. Alright? Raise your hand if you know that marriage takes a whole lot of effort. Amen? Raise your hand if you know that in a successful marriage, both partners have got to try. Amen? I'm glad we all know these things. That being known, how many of you married couples here today have ever had an argument? Don't, come on, lift them self-righteous hands on up. Come on. Amen? How many of you have had a show-nuff fight? You know what a show-nuff fight is, don't you? That's Anderson for a big one. Amen. How many of you have had a fight? There we go. I know, boy, nobody likes to do that. Amen. How many of you have ever gone through some really tough times in your marriage? Folks, when you go through those tough times, when you go through those challenges, when you go through that fight or that argument, you're going to hear all kind of friends, all kind of family members say, man, you ain't got to put up with that. Go get a divorce. Get out. Give it up. You don't deserve that. And maybe that's true. But friend, you got to try. You got to try. Now I know that some marriages will end in divorce. That's a fact. But I also know that many people give up on marriage without even trying. They give up on marriage. They say that they're trying, but you don't see any evidence of it in their marriage. They give up too early. So learn to try as hard as you can to keep your marriages together. You ever heard this quote before? 
anything worth having is worth fighting for. If it's worth having, then it's worth fighting for. So fight for your marriage. Work to make it better. Don't give up until you absolutely have to. Now, here's another piece of unsolicited and very inexpensive advice. Amen? Amen? This is, this is the inexpensive advice. Date. Date often. Let me clarify that. Date each other. <laughs> Date each other often. You know, I don't know how long you've been married. I don't know whether you've been married five days or 50 years, but I want to encourage you to continue going out on a date. Think about it. It worked in the beginning. Why wouldn't it work now? Continue to go on dates. We need to be sure that we're doing that. Now, a date can be a dinner out. A date can be going for a walk. A date can be going to a movie. A date can be cuddling on the couch and watching the television. But make sure that you date. Keep on building that marriage relationship. Keep on building that commitment to your spouse. And whatever you do, here's some more advice for you. Cheap advice, amen. Whenever you have an argument and you're going to, never, say never, never use the D word. Y'all know what the D word is, don't you? Don't ever use that word. You know what I think? I think that a lot of couples use that D word as a threat. They're not getting their way, then they just use the D word. That'll solve everything. I'll just use the D word. But you know what? I'm going to give you this morning a better way to threaten your spouse. All right? When you get into an argument with your spouse, when y'all get into a fight, when you get into an argument, here's what I want you to say. You're stuck with me forever. Is that not better? That's it. I ain't going nowhere. You're stuck with me. Tell them that you're going to be there for the rest of their lives. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Tell them I'm committed to you. We made an agreement, and I'm sticking with it. Tell them, when I said I do, that means I will. And I ain't giving up. Boy, that'll get them, amen. That'll shut them right up. For what God has joined together, let not man separate. To have a successful marriage, we've got to make a deep commitment. Set those boundaries between friends and relatives. But to have a successful marriage, we also need to fulfill our responsibilities. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, you don't have to go there, but listen to what the Apostle Paul says to his young protege. He says, But if anybody doesn't provide for his own, especially those of his own household, he is denied the faith and he's worse than an unbeliever. Can I tell you this morning that God expects you to take care of your family? Husbands and wives, 
God expects you to take care of your family. He expects husbands to take care of their wives. He expects wives to take care of their husbands. But what exactly are we supposed to do in order to take care of them? Well, if you're taking care of them, that means that you're providing at least three of the three basic needs that all people have. Got to take care of their physical needs, take care of their emotional needs, and take care of their spiritual needs. Physical needs, you know what they are. Food, clothing, shelter, transportation. Now, it's up to you to figure out as a couple how simple those things are going to be or how fancy they're going to be. But you got to make sure you take care of those physical needs. But we also have to take care of emotional needs. Think about this. Every single one of us here today needs to be built up from time to time. Every single one of us gets depressed every now and then. Everybody goes through disappointments. Everybody from time to time gets discouraged from time to time. So what do we got to do? We need to be told how much we're needed. We need to be told how important we are. And we need to be told that we are loved. That's an important emotional need. But we also have spiritual needs. And we need to strive as husband and wife, strive to build a relationship where you can talk about God, where you can talk with God about anything. We need to make sure that those spiritual needs are met. Make sure that you go to church together. Make sure that in your home that you discuss the Bible together. You know, husbands and wives ought to say, you know what? I don't know what the Bible is talking about here. Brother Chad was talking about some of their discussions at home, and I'm not going to get specific. But, you know, sometimes you just got to say, man, I don't know. I don't know, but by faith, the Word of God says it, so I believe it. But you need to be able to discuss those things. You need to be able to worship God together, not just in a church setting, but you need to be able to worship God together wherever you might be. We need to be able to establish that unity between husband and wife where we can sense God's direction in our lives. That spiritual need is so important. Now let me give you some more cheap advice. I know what you're thinking. Man, Brother Bill's full of it today. Amen. There are certain things that only God can fulfill. You can't do everything for your wife and Your wife can't do everything for you. He is the only one, for instance, who can ensure that your sins are forgiven. God is the only one who can truly explain your purpose for living. And he is the only one who can grant you a home in heaven. But here's what I want to tell you. On this side of heaven, On this side of heaven, God has placed us together with someone to help us fulfill the physical, emotional, and spiritual needs we have. A divine appointment. So all those things are so very important. And it's your responsibility, husband. It's your responsibility, wife, to help your spouse fulfill those needs. So you got to fulfill your responsibilities if you want a successful marriage. Number four, 
to have a successful marriage, you must build companionship. Build companionship. I think that companionship is a, a big key to a successful marriage. Just listen to how the message translates Ecclesiastes chapter 4. That word says, it's better to have a partner than go at it alone. Share the work. Share the wealth. And if one falls down, the other helps. But if there's no one to help, then you're out of luck. Two in a bed, warm each other. Alone, you shiver all night. Companionship can literally add more quality years to your life. Now, Jake was 92, and Jesse was 89 when they found each other and decided they wanted to get married. Oh, man, they were so excited. This elderly couple ready to share their life with one another. And one day, Jake and Jesse are strolling along the sidewalk, and they're discussing their wedding plans. And on their way, they pass by a drugstore. So Jake said, well, honey, let's, let's go in here. And Jesse followed him into the drugstore. And they walked into the rear, and they began asking some questions to the pharmacist. They said, we're about to get married. Do you have any heart medication? The pharmacist said, of course we do. How about some medication for circulation? All kinds, he said. Medicine for rheumatism and scoliosis? Definitely, the pharmacist said. Medicine for memory loss, arthritis, jaundice? Yes, a large variety, he said. What about vitamins and sleeping pills and Geritol? You got any of that? Yeah, we got all that. Do you sell wheelchairs and walkers and uh, those little scooter chairs? Yeah, we got all sizes and all speeds. That does it, Jake said. We'd like to register here for our wedding presents. <laughs> Jake and Jesse were planning on being companions together even through these latter years of life. See, folks, being a companion is more than being just a friend. A companion is going to go with you through all the ups and all the downs of your life. And when husbands and wives share not only love, but companionship, they always lead a more satisfied life and they have more meaning, more purpose in their lives as well. What does that scripture say? If one falls down, the other helps. Companionship, friends, that's what it is. And we've got to build it in order to have a successful marriage. Last one. To build a successful marriage, you must show loving actions. Say actions. Say it real clear like I did. Actions. Very good. Last week, I began talking about the fruit of the Spirit or the evidence that the Holy Spirit resides in the believer. The first evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life is that you have love. Uh, and we talked about why we don't see more evidence of love uh, in our day society. But I wanted to ask you this morning, what is love? What is it? Uh-oh. 
Saw that, Linda. <laughs> What's love? Tell me. Y'all said you didn't want to go. Richard, you said you didn't want to spend all day here. You better speak up. Okay, companionship. What else is love? Is it just that just that emotional high we get? Trust. What else? Come on, Rory. Help a brother out. Huh? It is actions. That's right. What else? Specifically. That was that was kind of vague, Rory. Give me something specific. Okay. Well, you, you found that didn't cut it, didn't you? Giving. What else? Getting? Sure. What else? I heard somebody say something. Sharing. Is that what you said? What else? Wow. Stick it out. What about, what about through the bad times, though? Especially the bad times, amen? What else? Who said that? Timmy. Sacrifice. Say it again. <laughs> the single guy says sacrifice. He knows. <laughs> you're going to be a good husband, baby. Y'all heard, heard this, right? Set the man up. What else? What is love? Say it again. Kindness. Wow. Certainly we know that love is all these things and much, much more. But do you know how God defines love? The author of love, how he describes it? He says in 1 Corinthians 13, he defines love this way. He said love is patient. Does anybody else struggle in that department? <laughs> love is patient. Wendy said this one, love is kindness. Love is the opposite of being selfish. Love is giving even when you're wronged. Love is persistence, as Lori said. Love is going the extra mile above and beyond what you're expected to do. According to that passage, love is what Rory said. What would you say, Rory? you got to look on the outline. Go ahead. You're going you're to employ this and apply this in your life, right? You can't carry my outlines along with you throughout life, okay? All right. Love is, love is action. That's exactly right. It's not just emotion. Love is action. And you find this concept all throughout the Bible. In fact, in the book of John, Jesus said, For God so loved, He gave. Action. He loved you so much, He gave His own Son. Paul wrote it to Christians in Rome. He said that God demonstrated His own love toward us and that while we were still sinners... Christ died. Dying is an action. Would you agree? He loved us so much, he died. So if you want a healthy marriage, if you want a successful marriage, you've got to love each other by your actions. You've got to show 
each other kindness. You've got to be patient with each other. You've got to not hold a grudge. You've got to seek the best for each other. You've all heard this phrase that actions speak louder than... Boy, y'all all do that one, amen? A lot of truth in that, isn't there? A lot of truth in that. So how do you show someone that you love them? You act like it. Through your actions, you act like it. You show them. Treat them with kindness. Be patient. Don't envy. Don't be selfish. Hold your temper. Don't hold a grudge. Seek the best for your spouse. And why shouldn't you? He or she is part of you. Bone of your bone and flesh of your flesh. You're connected with your spouse in a most special way. A most special way. That which God has joined together, let no man separate. So there you have it. Five characteristics for a healthy marriage. Five ways that you can make your marriage successful. Establish boundaries with your friends and your relatives. Make sure you set priorities. Make a commitment to one another, both parties saying, whatever it takes, we're going to make this marriage work. You hear what I said? Both parties. If one is and one's not, you got an upside-down marriage. Fulfill your responsibilities by taking care of your spouse's needs, the physical, the emotional, and most of all, the spiritual. For out of the spiritual comes the emotional. Out of the spiritual comes the physical. And if those spiritual needs are met, everything else will follow. Build companionship with one another. So that when tough times get tough, you can keep on going. You can hang in there. And last, show loving actions. Show loving actions by treating one another with kindness and with patience. You know, one of the most beautiful pictures of marriage in the Bible is found in Ephesians chapter 5. And the reason that it's such a beautiful picture of marriage is it compares marriage to Christ's relationship with believers. Just a few verses in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands, get this, as to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ so loved the church. And gave himself for her, that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Man, that's a pretty stout command for husbands. That's a pretty stout command for wives. But what a beautiful picture. To love our spouses as Christ loves us. Do you know? That God so loved you that he gave himself for you? I mean, 
How do you respond to that? How do you respond to that kind of love? There's only one response. The only response there is, is to just receive it. By faith, receive the love of God. Believe that God loves you just the way you are and loves you enough not to let you stay that way. He wants the very best for you. He wants you to be a success. Have you received the love of God? He wants to save you from the consequences of your other actions, those sin actions. He wants to save you from all that. And he says he'll do it if you will be willing to turn away from that sin, receive God's love through faith in Christ, and have eternal life. He loved you so much, he gave. Such a beautiful picture of marriage. Because if you really love her husbands, if you really love him, wives, you'll give. You'll give all of you. For that one that's here today, that's never received the love of God through faith in Jesus Christ, we want you to know you can do that today. For that marriage that might be in trouble, we want you to know that this altar is open for prayer. For that marriage that just needs a little bit of encouragement for that marriage that just needs to confess that we have a godly marriage I'd love to pray with you it's one of my favorite subjects to pray with Christian couples so I pray that however the Lord's moved you this morning however he spoke to you through his word that you'd respond and allow the word of God to change you and to change your marriage. He can do it. Can I get an amen? Let's pray. Father God, we do praise you for creating marriage. And Father, your word has explained perfectly how it's to change our lives. Lord, it changes our relationships with family members and friends. Lord, it makes us to deeply commit to our spouse. Father, it, it, it makes us to submit to one another in the love of God. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that whatever decision you've placed on someone's heart this morning, that they would have enough faith to take that bold step. And Lord, just allow us to pray with them and to encourage them and to bless them. Lord, maybe it's something that they want to talk about in private. Lord, let them know that there are any number of Christians, Christian couples and Christians that would love to speak with them, love to pray with them and encourage them. Father, that's what this church is all about, church family who cares for one another. So Lord, I pray that you would have your will and have your way in each one of our lives. And Lord, I pray that the decisions we make will bless you.
Because that's why we're here today, is to bless you. Lord, I pray for that one that's never received you, never received the love you offer when you gave your son. Lord, let them receive it today and be forever changed and have an eternal home in heaven. That's the only way. The only way is through Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Let them come today in Jesus' name. And all God's people said,